Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Rift University, the college League of Legends podcast from Collegiate Esports Network. I'm your host, Milmod, and we have an exciting episode for you today. A lot of good things are happening in College League as the scene continues to grow, not just in terms of the participation numbers, but as it really matures, we're going to continue to see greater recognition of the college level of play. People are taking it seriously, and I think that the stories in today's episode really reflect that trend. The first thing I want to talk about today is something we've covered a bit in the last episode and in some articles on the CESN website, and that's Riot launching their own governing body for league at the college level, the Riot Scholastic Association of America. So a couple weeks ago, Michael Sherman and Matt Beerus were on the Esports Observers podcast talking about RSAA and Riot's approach to collegiate. It's definitely worth a listen to get an inside look from two Riot employees at the mindset and goals of the RSAA. So essentially, the RSAA is looking to assist in the development of collegiate programs through building kind of organizational infrastructure. They want to develop relationships with both institutions and the administrators to formalize communication channels between those different stakeholders and Riot. So this is a big step showing that the publisher wants to take an active role in governance of their game at the college level, and especially as College League continues to grow, going from 240 teams in 2018 to 350 in 2019, that's very important. And it makes sense for Riot. They are a business. They want to protect their IP. But even more so, college students and college-age players make up a large segment of league's overall player base. So from Riot's position, they see this as a way to grow the game and shore up longevity through a sustainable, multi-level competitive structure. And one way they plan to do that is by making organized play more accessible by removing any kind of barriers that exist as much as they can. Accessibility issues are obviously an important issue in esports because it's not like football or soccer where all you need is a grassy patch and a ball and you can go play. You need specialized equipment, PCs, high-speed internet. So if you're looking to grow organized play, especially when you're going to the high school, middle school, down to the youth level, there are some issues that might disproportionately impact certain economically depressed or low-income areas. And Riot wants to make sure that as much as possible, there aren't barriers to playing at your school or in any kind of organized play setting. Additionally, they want college-level competition to be accessible to the most talented players. So they want schools to utilize scholarships more so as a recruiting method. There may be students that wouldn't have considered college or couldn't have afforded college that would be able to go because of League of Legends scholarships. So that could be in addition to or as a shift away from what Riot currently does with their performance-based scholarships, which depend on a team's performance during the regular season and their standings in the playoffs. They didn't indicate an immediate plan to change that aspect of College League, but left it open on whether or not that was the ideal way for Riot to support players. A byproduct of this increase in scholarships and varsity programs would be uh, more competitive teams. And of course, while there are teams like we saw with Western Ontario that compete at a high level without university support and without that kind of recruiting program, varsity programs do tend to provide the infrastructure support recruiting that I believe would raise the overall skill floor of collegiate. 
And a discussion about scholarships inevitably leads to a discussion about the NCAA. And while the NCAA has decided not to get involved with esports, at least for the time being, it's still ingrained in the minds of many esports and traditional sports fans because of how much it shapes the athletic culture of the United States. In the podcast, Michael and Matt mentioned that Riot has a working relationship with the NCAA, but didn't expand too much beyond that. Whenever the NCAA comes up, the biggest pushback is always about the amateurism rules. This is one of the biggest things when it comes to collegiate esports and governance of collegiate esports. Now, Michael and Matt said they haven't heard of this mythical collegiate esports athlete, streamer, YouTuber combo, and that may be true, but I think you have to take into account small-scale things as well. Maybe you win some money playing in local tournaments or do some streaming or creating content that you're compensated for at a smaller scale. Technology and entertainment platforms have introduced complexity that leads to an antiquated definition of an amateur. And this is true for traditional sports as well in an age of influencers. This is especially true for esports with Twitch and YouTube and that aspect. I saw a survey of kids recently that said being a YouTuber or vlogger was the new most popular dream job. So if you have young people growing up with that possibility in mind, and I'm including Twitch here as well, they might be dissuaded from participating in collegiate esports if there's a possibility they couldn't pursue that goal as well. Michael and Matt mentioned, and this is something I agree with, that it's more likely for the traditional sporting world to evolve. The NCAA is going to have to evolve on this if they really want to stay relevant. And that transitions nicely to the next thing I want to touch on, and that is the age of esports competitors. This is something that comes up in many discussions about collegiate as well. The host asked Michael and Matt if the fact that there are players who are so good when they're so young and they can go straight to a professional level. Will that decrease the likelihood of players going to college and competing? Michael and Matt don't think that's the case, and I agree. They mentioned specifically for league how the average LCS player's age is increasing and fewer spots are opening up due to longer investments in player development and talent. Organizations are wanting to get a longer return on their investment in players. People are retiring later. And if you think about it, there are objectively few people who really can play at the highest level. Outside of top level and academy teams, it gets extremely disorganized and it's often hard to see the advantage of playing in the amateur scene, especially when compared to going to college on scholarship, potentially still winning money, competing in other tournaments, training with a coach with a lot more resources. This is compared to dealing with a lot of times unprofessionalism in the amateur or semi-pro level. Playing at the collegiate level gives opportunities. It can be a path to pro. It can be a way to see if competitive league is right for you, if that's something you want to pursue. It can be a way to continue playing while earning a degree or to go do whatever else you wanted. It can be a way to get into other parts of esports or League of Legends. It could be something you do just for the experience. In traditional sports, many college players go on to coach, and I think that's something we could see as well. It could be kind of a pit stop intermediate step as you're trying to climb your way up or back up to a higher level. And as professional teams increasingly value mature players, players who understand teamwork and have experience in a structured team environment, it becomes a plus. 
and Riot's looking at connections between collegiate and other levels of play and the potential for some sort of funnel between these different levels. And this is a sentiment that was echoed by Harrisburg's coach, especially at the NACE convention earlier this month. Sean Morrison from ESPN Esports tweeted out, quote, former LCS standout special, now the League of Legends coach for Harrisburg, said his hope for collegiate esports is to create a pipeline and backup plan for players trying to get to the highest level of esports. Now, X Special's been coaching for Harrisburg remotely since January of 2019, but now will be based in Harrisburg next season, which was covered in a recent Envin Global article. He played at the professional level for years, was working as a coach and analyst for Golden Guardians. Last year, Harrisburg had a great regular season and playoff run, eventually falling in the semifinals of the national championship to eventual runner-up Western Ontario. We cover those matches on our site if you're interested in checking out those recaps. And X-Specials quoted in that Inving Global article explaining his approach to coaching collegiate. And I really like this. It's a great mindset. It touches on some of the big items we see across esports today. He says, quote, As a collegiate coach, I have a mixture of players who either have played in a competitive setting or have only played in solo queue. I have the opportunity to guide those who haven't had an experienced coach, but show the younger players what it takes to succeed as a team. My goal is to help the talent that is with me to become the best they can be. And that's really right in line with what Michael and Matt mentioned on the pot, the esports observers podcast. There's more investment in player development at all levels and collegiate professional, and it's going to result in an overall higher ability level at all levels of play. And I think that's something as fans, that's very exciting to see that spread to different levels of competition. A lot of times in esports, you have young people who grew up just playing in solo queue or queuing with friends. So playing in a team setting with a coach who's thinking about developing players in a way to maximize success of the unit is often a different experience than what many players have had before. And to go back to the issue of age and professional players, yeah, it's true that some very young players go pro, but because of how these are just the early days of esports, I mean, league is 10 years old. You can start playing still, get good rapidly, and play at a high level. But 10 years from now, when you have the youth, high school, collegiate, semi-pro levels much more developed, that might not be the case, when people have been participating in organized competition with coaches and training regiments for many years, for years and years, when that infrastructure is there, the skill floor at every level is going to rise. There will still be outliers, just insane players who are thrown in the highest levels at a young age, but that won't be the norm, and I think that that won't be something that people expect to see or think will happen very often. And I think you can see a vision of the future of collegiate and what Maryville is doing. They released their roster at the end of June, and they have a mix of returning and new players. Just looking at this lineup, they've made some impressive recruiting moves. They're looking to defend their title, and they know people are gunning for them. They have Niles and Wolfie coming back in top and mid lane as starters, and with support Clyde, ADC Saskio, and Jungler CKG graduating, they're bringing on Value as ADC and Iconic as Jungler, both from the amateur org Supernova, a team that Maryville's coach Zoo had previously coached for. Now, Value is a current challenger-level talent, made 2017 North American Scouting Grounds 
Iconics, another challenger player, joins with prior collegiate experience, having played for Iowa uh, in the 2018 Big Ten Network Conference. Now, replacing Clyde at support is about 2-2-2, coming in to round out the starters. Now, he's a challenger support player as well, familiar with high-level organized play because he made FlyQuest Academy roster this year in the 2019 spring split. The rest of the team, you have Hybrids, Kind Jungle, Julian, Evan RL, and Shady completing the squad, all of whom have Grandmaster or Challenger-level experience. Julian and Evan RL played together on Maryville rival Columbia, uh, and some may recognize Shady from his time on former North American LCS team Phoenix 1 in 2017. I think all 10 players are going to receive substantial playing time this season. Maryville, they're really bookended by talent throughout this roster, so it's going to be very impressive to see them in competition, and I'm excited to see how Zoo is going to utilize all of these players for their skill sets to produce the best team he can. A couple people replied to the announcement tweet saying, congrats on winning the 2020 Seelaw Championships. Someone else said, how does anyone else win? Presumptive, but impressive. To be able to pull this caliber of player, sell them on collegiate, really demonstrates the proof of concept. This is the same kind of thing we're seeing with Harrisburg, bringing on a specialist coach, telling people that have the ability to to look at different levels to consider collegiate and to have them do it, I think says a lot to the general community, to general league fans and esports fans. So I think it's just going to go up from here. This really is just the beginning. Thank you again for joining me on Rift University. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to the show. You can find us on all of the major platforms. I've been your host, Milmod. You can follow me on Twitter at Milmod, M-I-L-L-M-O-D. Don't forget to check out all of the other content from CESN on our website, cesn.gg. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at cesn.gg.